Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie. Excited to have you with us this afternoon along with our wonderful guest, Sharla Fritz of charlafritz.com. We're going to be talking today about how to stay focused in a chaotic world, how to get past the distractions and get something really done, get something really important done. And during the next hour, you're going to grab a notepad or some way to take notes and you're going to discover the most important step to living with focus, the secret to finding true priorities. How to align your to-do list with your true priorities, three strategies to know your why, and why it's important to kill multitasking, three simple but important routines that will improve your focus, the importance of periodically unplugging, how to focus and what the Sabbath and focus have in connection or in common, and then also five ways to craft your own personal spiritual retreat. Our guest today is Charla Fritz. She loves weaving honest and humorous stories into life-changing Bible studies. And she is the author of five books and the e-course, Distracted, 12 Faith-Focused Habits for a Frenzied World. Welcome to you, Charlotte. It's so great to have you here today. Thank you, Marnie. I'm so glad that I can share some of this information with your listeners today. Thank you for having me. So you have spent quite a bit of time working on helping people stay focused. Is there like a story behind that, how you, <laughs> like, or you may be a little scatterbrained yourself, or did you have someone in your <laughs> life who was having trouble staying focused, or how did you end up camping on this topic? Well, for sure. Um, I think we all at times get distracted, we get unfocused, we get too busy to really concentrate on what is important, and uh, I had done that. I had said yes to too many activities. My schedule had just grown into a large mess. I I teach piano in addition to being a blogger and a writer and a speaker. So I was teaching piano lessons and then I was going out and speaking. I was leading Bible studies and I was going to Toastmasters group meetings. I was volunteering at a home shelter homeless shelter and I was directing my church choir and I was just really stressed out because I was trying to do too much. And so at the beginning of 2015, I decided to choose the word focus. Now every year I choose one word. A lot of people do this, choose a word to kind of guide their year. And 2015 I chose the word focus. I wanted to pray and ask God to show me where I should focus my energy, where he wanted me to go. Um, so I started praying about that, and by just two days, or well, maybe two weeks into 2015, something drastically happened that really affected my ability to focus, and that was my husband was diagnosed with lymphoma. And there is really nothing like you know a life crisis to find out what is truly important. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, now instead of all the things that I thought I needed to have on my to-do list, things got shifted around. And I needed to take my husband to the doctor and to the um, hospital for tests and for cancer treatments. And so a lot of other things that I thought were important became unimportant. And during that whole year I, that he was in treatment and recovering from the treatment, I was learning about how to focus my life. And so I, at the end of the year, I decided to write this course to help people mm. to learn how to use those things that I had learned. Mm, that's so great. 
Yeah, I I always say when people say, I want to be a speaker or I want to be a writer, I always say, are you sure? Because the price tag is kind of high. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. uh, Yeah, a lot of of people that I interview and a lot of speakers at womenspeakers.com, you know, their stories are just like riveting, but I would have hated to live them. (laughs) Right. um, Well, let's go ahead and talk about the most important step to living with focus. And you kind of touched on it already, but go ahead and share what is that most important step? Well, the most important step I have found is worship. Now, um, may not either it sounds unbelievable or it sounds like a cliche, but what I have found is that when I get totally distracted, it's because I am focused on myself and my to-do list, and I'm mm-hmm. not really focusing on the one person who's most important. And so I have found that if I take five, even just five minutes in the morning to, to worship God, to get down on the floor and, and uh, kneel down and worship him, maybe take my Bible to the floor and read a psalm out loud and just worship God. Or one of my favorite things to do is to put on a, some worship music, a praise song, and just listen to the words and really pray them back to God. And I find that when I do that, that a lot of the other things that I have thought were important, I start to view them through God's lens, and maybe they aren't so important. Maybe I have put an urgency on them that really isn't there, that God wants me to concentrate on something else. So when I take the time to worship, then I get to see his priorities more. Mm, that's so beautiful, and I kind of do. I kind of do something similar to that. In that, I, I just sit with my notebook and I just ask Jesus, you know, what do you want me to do today? I ha- I kind of tease around, Charla. I say, you know, if somebody says, "What do you do for a living?" This is what I always want to say. I always want to say, "Well, I'm the personal assistant to the King of the Universe." So I meet with him in private quarters each morning, and then he tells me what to do. And then I run around running his errands all day long as he provides all the resources. <laughs> but I love that. The reality is, I know, right? The reality is that if we're really doing God's work and he's flowing that through us, then there is going to be what we need to get through it, no matter how difficult it is or, you know, unpredictable. Um, but if we're just doing our own stuff, you know, there's no promise like that. Yeah, I I found that if I'm just focused on what I think is important, I get really distracted and overwhelmed. But if mm-hmm. I take the time to worship, then um, my point of view has changed a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. And when we rem- remember that it's God's stuff flowing through our life instead of us trying to perform for God, I mean that makes a huge difference too in how we experience the day it, and the yeah, stuff. Yeah, certainly happening. does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the secret to actually discovering then the true priorities? Well, finding your true priorities is, you know, the Bible says that it kind of outlines the two major priorities is, um, one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and two, love your neighbor as yourself. And all of us that have gone to church have heard those you know, two priorities. Uh, but in the real world, we also find, you know, that our families need to be fed and uh, they need to have clean clothes and the boss needs the report by Monday and the credit card company needs payment by yesterday. And so we sometimes have this conflict in our lives of how do we find what is truly important. So I know that for me as a writer and blogger, I sometimes got really distracted because I was listening to a lot of expert voices saying, well, this is what you need to do. You need to blog every day, or this is what you need to do. To be successful, you, you need to be a guest blogger on, on lots of other blogs, or maybe you, know, you, you need to send queries to magazines all the time. So I was trying to do it all, and I wasn't doing anything well, and I couldn't figure out what my true priorities were. And so then one day um, I had an aha moment when I was just doing my normal Bible study and I read uh, in John 17, and Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. 
and you know i thought about how jesus was busy you know and he was always healing people and teaching and people were always following him around and um at he only had 3 years to get his work done mm-hmm. but at the end of those 3 years he could say i have completed the work that you gave me to do and i so i just thought well not everyone in Israel was healed, and not everyone heard his message, and yet right. he he could say that. So I thought, well, I'm going to look at that verse a little closer and decide how to do, determine my true priorities through that verse. And so, first of all, Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth. So he was talking about the Father. His first priority was bringing glory to God. So... If I'm going to put that into practice, um, I start to ask myself when I have a new opportunity or maybe a new idea, I I ask myself, am I saying yes to this opportunity or am I pursuing this dream because it will bring glory to the Father or (laughs) am I doing it to make my name a little better or my reputation a little greater? It helps me to look at what my priorities are. Why am I doing this? And then the other thing that Jesus said was that he was completing the work that God gave him to do. And so I also need to examine um, what I am doing and why I'm doing it. Is it because the experts say I should do it? Or have I really prayed about this and God is leading me to do this this thing? And when I do those two things, when I take the time to look at it from God's perspective like that, my true priorities become more evident. I love it. I always say there's time to do everything God wants me to do. There's not time mm-hmm. to do everything. There's not time to do everything good. But there is time to do everything God wants me to do. And that's really hard for us. It's hard for us to say, well, here's this wonderful opportunity or here's this desperate need. And mm-hmm. I feel like I I maybe could do it, but should I do it? You know, and this yes. is where, you know, worship comes back being the most important step to living with focus is to be in constant connection with Jesus. You know, one of the, I, I'm always so happy I get to live on this side of the cross where the Holy Spirit is in mm. us and we can check in all the time and have immediate feedback. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how people like in the Old Testament could ever function because for me, I'm always checking in you know, with God, just always checking in, you know, yes or no here, you know. Um, is this what yeah. I'm supposed to do or not? So grateful that we have that, um, mm-hmm. and God's word, you know, that in the Old oh, Testament so they didn't all have access to God's word. And <laughs> right. you know, so mm-hmm. I'm I, so appreciative of that because we can go to God's word for guidance and we for reassurance. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, we're going to take a little break and come back and talk about how to align our to-do lists with our true priorities and also three strategies to know our why. We'll be right back. Okay. Are you ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others? Register for the SPY Coach Certification Program today. SPI, or S-P-I, stands for Success Principles Intensive. It's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles. You can check it out today over at Marnie.com. It's available as part of the mentorship program, or you can buy it as a standalone certification program. Learn more now at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back. If you haven't ever gone through the spy training, you want to do that. It's a six-hour course, and um, it is, I always say, if I could only do one thing for the rest of my life, that's what I would focus on because the success principles that God has given us in the Bible are just incredible, and they're clear, and they're easy to understand once you know where to look for them and what to do with them, and it's just such a great program. So I hope you check that out over at Marnie.com. We are visiting today with our guest, Charlotte Fritz of charlafritz.com. We're talking about how to 
get focused in a chaotic world, uh, get over your distractions and get some important stuff done. Charlotte, let's talk about, we were talking before break about finding our true priorities. So let's talk now about, okay, once you know your true priorities, how do you align them with your to-do list? Go ahead and share what you've got there. Well, most of us have really long to-do lists. Mine, mine is just full of priorities of, of teaching piano, teaching music, music at the church, and uh, writing and blogging and speaking things. I just have a long, long list. And I often become overwhelmed. And this was one of the things that was happening when my husband was suffering from cancer. Oh, by the way, he is in remission now, and, and he's doing well. Oh, right. But, but while right. he was going through all the treatments, and you know, there were just so many other things to get done, too, I felt like I was never getting anything, everything done on my to-do list. I was making this big, long list, and it was never all getting done. And I'd, every day I'd feel defeated that I was never accomplishing mm-hmm. what I had set out to do. And... God kind of spoke to my heart and said, you know, at this point in your life, it's not important that you get everything crossed off your list. And he brought to mind the story of Mary and Martha. And, of course, most of us have heard this story many times. Martha, Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha, and Martha's in the kitchen banging her pots and pans around, and Mary is sitting in the living room with Jesus. And Martha gets a little upset, and she pops her head out and says, hey, Jesus, come and give me some help here. And and Jesus said, well, there's only one thing necessary. One thing is needed. Mary is doing it. And I just thought um, of that one thing. Now, um, I thought, what if I every day asked Jesus, what is the one thing, the most important thing that you want me mm-hmm. to accomplish today? And then I felt better about it. You know, it's every, Maybe I wasn't getting everything done on my list, but I was getting the one important thing done. Now, sometimes what he pointed out was something from my to-do list, but surprisingly, sometimes what he spoke to my heart was not something that was on the list. It was, he would, yeah, he would bring to mind a friend who was hurting too and and I would be prompted to maybe send a card or I'd be reading um, about the importance of marriage and be reminded, well, maybe today the most important thing is just to spend some extra time with John today, with my husband. So uh, I feel like that is maybe one of the most important ways to align your to-do list with true priorities because I feel like if every day I remember to do that and even just accomplish that one thing that God says is important, eventually I will be doing the things that God wants in my life. Right, exactly. There's actually a book I read recently that's good. It's by Gary Keller and Jay Pepson, and it's called The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results and how powerful it is to uh, limit to bring all the chaos that's swirling around you down into focus and to choose one thing to focus on, it's um, you know it's it's kind of an interesting it's kind of an interesting way to solve the problem of too many things to do and it mm-hmm. is very powerful and it's especially powerful when we let God choose our one thing. That's beautiful. Uh, another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to tag into was. Um, I call it holding things in an open hand, you know. So right now, Charlotte and listeners, if you put your hand out in front of you and you just imagine putting your to-do list into your hand. And what we tend to do is once we put anything into our hand, we tend to close our hand around it and make a fist. Uh, But what God wants us to do is put it in our hand and keep the hand open. (laughs) And then, you know, as you go through the day, you can maybe say, yeah, that's not going to get done or that's not the priority anymore or whatever. You hold it with an open hand. It's real easy for God to uh, change our our schedule, change our priorities when our hand is open. Not so easy when our hand is clenched, uh, you know, tight into a fist. So just earlier today, we are getting ready our our clearance sale at our retail store starts tomorrow, so we're going to close down the retail store. 
And so we're working, imagine doing a rummage sale with 50,000 items. That's what we're doing. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's so overwhelming. And, you know, you have these long lists. This is all that has to be done today. And here's people's names beside it. And here's what everybody's going to be doing and all this. But, uh, you know, before I left, I just, I, I crossed the line through one thing and said, can't do it. Just, it's not going to happen, you know. Crossed the line through another one and said, you know, not important. Uh, you know, you just have to hold these things with an open hand. And let God show you, you know, like this is this is what I think I'm supposed to do today. This is what I'd like to accomplish today. This is what's really going to happen today. And just be, you know, be okay to let it flow like that and not have to be so um, controlling about it all. Uh, when I say that, is that bubbling anything to the surface for you? I love that because I think that that is exactly what I have been trying to do. I am a very... I like I like to say that I'm a recovering control freak. <laughs> so <laughs> so that is um you know I like to get all my ducks in a row and all of my boxes checked off and God says no you need to like you said hold it loosely and let me lead you and not be so rigid about it. <laughs> so here's my here's my saying that I like to do for uh, myself and other recovering control freaks is that we are all hopelessly addicted to the delusion that we're in control of anything. (laughs) We love this sense of being in control. But all it takes is like for you, you know, one notification from the doctor that says your entire world is going to get dumped upside down. You know, I mean, we realize, oh, yeah, all that control I thought I had (laughs) is not really, not really there. Yeah, it's it's not really there. (laughs) I love it. Well, let's talk about the three strategies to know your why. So explain, first of all, what is our why and why do we need to know it? Well, I think a lot of times we don't know why we are doing something. We don't have a purpose behind it. And I think it is so important that we know our why. For instance, say two different people were going, they decided that they needed to lose 25 pounds. Well, one person, maybe her why was that um, she was going to go to her high school reunion in a couple of months and she wanted to wear a smaller size dress. But the other person maybe um, was on the verge of getting type 2 diabetes. And the doctor said, if you lose a few pounds, you might avoid having to take medication. And so maybe the person that, you know, it's a serious health concern has a bigger why. And that motivation is going to be stronger to accomplish the focus, the task. And so I think we need to have a big why behind our purposes. When I was living my super distracted life, I was pursuing a a lot of whys. I was blogging to get more followers and I was teaching piano to pay the bills and life and purpose was just scattered all over the place. I was really frustrated and in fact at one point I I was um, thinking about giving up writing because I had um, followed all the experts advice you know do this and you'll get all these followers do this and you'll sell books and and none of it was working for me and I said, well, Lord, maybe this isn't just not what you want me to do. I think it would be a lot easier if I just didn't try anymore (laughs) because then I wouldn't be so disappointed. And (laughs) so um, as I kept praying about it, God kept saying to me, uh, but will you just do it for me? Hmm. And it was just so powerful for me because it was like a, a weight that had just come off of my shoulders that I was no longer doing it for me for reputation or fame or anything like that I was just doing it for God and whatever came about from it would be for his glory and it was just very freeing for me so um, I'm coming back to that verse in John 17 for where Jesus says I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to to do and that verse was kind of inspiring to me for my my why you know to bring glory to God and complete the work that he gave me to do and I think there's maybe three different strategies that we can use to help us discover our why so um, maybe like me you're going to find a verse in scripture that 
like mine was John 17:4. Maybe God will show you a as we pray, we we pray that God will lead us to a scripture that will define our why and give us a purpose for for life that will help us focus all the things that we need to get done. And another strategy would would be simply to ask why. So perhaps you have been asked I know a lot of your listeners are speakers and writers, and so maybe um, someone has been asked to speak for a big event, or maybe they have been asked to plan the event, and they're not sure if they should say yes. And maybe you just begin by asking yourself, why would I do this? And maybe the first answer would be why. Well, because somebody has to do it. Then you take it a little further and you'd say, well, why would I do it? And then you you kind of look into your motivations and would I be doing it to help people to um, to help bring more people to know about God or am I doing it for my reputation and, and things like that. So just keep asking yourself why with each answer to take it deeper to see why you are doing something and if it's a good reason or not a good reason. And then I think maybe the third way to find your why is to keep a list of your true priorities. For instance, um, mine are to love and honor God and to love my family well through through gifts of time and attention and then to communicate the love of God in my writing and speaking. And when then somebody asks me to do something or I have a new idea, I can look at my three priorities and ask myself, why am I doing this? Do, does this new activity, this new idea, does that fit into my uh, three top priorities in life? And I think that those kinds of strategies will help us discover our why, the reason, our motivation, our reason for doing things. Mm. I love it. That theme verse is so so cool, and I don't know. Did you decide that that was kind of your your overall theme verse for life? Then the John Seventeen verse. Lately, it has been. It's really affected how mm-hmm. I. It changed. It really changed my view of how I do things. Yeah, I know. For me, it was Second um, Corinthians nine eight. God is able to provide all grace to you, so that in all things, at all times, having everything you need, you may abound in every good work. And that was combined with my mission or vision which is to encourage women to provide them with practical help and to turn their thoughts toward Jesus. And having those two components in place allows me to look at every opportunity that comes to me, every request that comes to me. I first put it through those two sieves. And if it doesn't fit into either of those, if it's, if it's, not, if it's not right there, then I just have to either just say no or else I, I pray about it, you know, and just say, you know, is this an exception? And what's mm. interesting is that God has um, actually, God has actually shown me that so many times when I would have said no, um, it actually is. So, for instance, my husband came, my husband came, and he wanted us to buy a restaurant, and I thought encourage women, provide practical help, turn their thoughts for Jesus. And at first, I wasn't really seeing it, but then God was like, "Yes, that really is, Marty. You would be." First of all, you're coming under your husband's authority. Second of all, you are actually going to be being a big help to a lot of women <laughs> by providing yeah. practical help and a meal that's prepared for their family. And then in addition to that, I could be an encouragement and I could turn their thoughts toward Jesus. So in our restaurant and in our retail store, we always played uh, Christian music. Um, many, many times I would go out from behind a counter and sit down with a customer and have a conversation about God or pray with them. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Once you have the parameters set, you know, these true priorities set, then it is really possible to use that as your first, your first criteria for whether you're saying yes or no to something. And it's amazing how much peace that can bring to have that kind of a structure. I I love how you said that sometimes what you would have said no to at first, when you put it through those filters, you found that it was actually something that was a priority with God for your life. I love that. Yeah. 
And again, you know, we have to keep all of these things in an open hand. You know, the restaurant was mm-hmm. what I was doing for 14 years until February we sold it. You know, the retail store is what I've been doing for 11 years until now. We're going to clearance it out. These things, God moves these things in and out of our life. You know, and we don't we don't necessarily get to choose that always. Sometimes it's not our choice at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is yeah. a blessing that he brings to us. And then sometimes he takes a blessing like a, a family member or something. He takes them maybe before we're even ready at all. And yet, what a gift we had. In fact, just speaking of that, it was so cute this afternoon uh, before the show here. I was over at the store. We were working, and one of my teenage employees was there, and she was just standing, and her shoulders were slumped. And I walked up, and I said, what's up, Emily? And I put my arm around her, and she said, it's just so sad. It's just so sad. Mm. I, I can't imagine this not being here. And I said, right. I sometimes just get a little teary, too, and I said, it's a grief, but the place that grief comes from is from something that we've enjoyed. If we had never known solutions, if we had never loved solutions, that's the name of the store, we wouldn't be sad now because there would be nothing to be sad about. We would have never enjoyed it and experienced it and known what it was. The only reason we can be sad is because of something we knew and loved. And so actually grief is a good thing in this world. It is a gift that we walk through with Jesus. And we grow closer to him as we do that. And, you know, as we're going through these things, keep it in an open hand and let God choose for you and let him set your priorities. Well, this is Marty. We're visiting right now with our guest today, Charlotte Fitz of charlottefitz.com. We're going to come right back and talk about why it's important to kill multitasking and three simple but important routines that will improve your focus. We'll be right back. ever need a guest speaker or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go check out womenspeakers.com the largest online directory of christian women speakers in the world since 2002 connecting thousands of planners with over 1300 speakers speakers are available to you from every state denomination experience level and fee range you simply search when you have time anytime day or night and connect directly with the speakers that interest you no middlemen no hidden fees it's all simple easy enjoyable and online check it out today at womenspeakers.com that's www.womenspeakers.com Before break, we were talking about holding things in an open hand, and I'm having to release the restaurant and having to release the retail store right now, and I'm really happy that right now I don't have to release womenspeakers.com. So, (laughs) 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 Yeah, and I don't have to release my husband or my kids. (laughs) All kinds of things I get to hang on to right now. That's so fun. Okay, well, this next little section here, Sharla, I'm not sure if we're going to see eye to eye on it. That's okay. Well, I know we're going to talk about multitasking. We're talking about multitasking. I know there's a lot of research that's come out in the past couple of years that says it, you really can't, uh, you can't technically multitask. And I kind of, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, uh, my body, let's just use the body as an example. My body is totally, from my definition, multitasking. I'm breathing, my heart's pumping, I'm focusing on what I'm saying to you, I'm looking at a screen and some, you know, charts and, you know, control panel. It's a beautiful day. I can see the sunshine outside. I mean, I'm totally multitasking right now, and yet it's true that my body is simply addressing each of those things very quickly and back-to-back. So I call it being a fast switcher. You know, multitasking, Mm -hmm. I think, for me, switching very quickly between things and uh, switching back and forth. And what I like to say is that some people are faster switchers, are able to switch more quickly than other people. So some people actually have the ability to switch very quickly and very seamlessly back and forth between things, while other people, if you were to have them switch back and forth that fast, it just wouldn't work out well at all for them. And so uh, now having said all that, I'm going to let you talk about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what you understand about multitasking and what we can learn from you. Well, you already brought up some of the points that I was going to say. Like some some multitasking is possible. Like I fold the laundry while I'm watching TV, and that is multitasking, and it works well because neither 
activity requires very much brain power. But when you right. want to do something of deep work, like you are planning an event, you are writing a report for work, you, you're writing a book or a blog post, you have to – it's better for your brain and better for the task if you concentrate on that one thing. You might think that you can write a report while you're um, on, maybe on a conference call, um, but you're, like you said, your mind is just switching back and forth and – for most people, you're, it takes energy for your brain to do that, and so it doesn't work that well. So when you are going to, when you have a project that really needs a lot of brain power, then you want to find some focus. I just recently read a book that's called Deep Work: Rules for Focus, Success in a Distracted World, and the author he he suggests that when you need to do some really focused work, that you have some routines in place to help your brain send signals to your brain saying, now it's time to concentrate. <laughs> and so he said, mm-hmm. like, find, find a place, a routine place where you usually work hard, where you have that focused time. So if it's not at your office at work or your home office where you can shut a door and have quiet, maybe you need to go to a quiet conference room at at your office building or go to the library. Or I know some people that actually like to go to a coffee shop, and even though it's noisy there, it's um, all the conversations and the coffee noise makes kind of a white noise background that helps them to think. So you have to find first find a place like that, and then maybe have a few routines like um, turn on your computer but turn off the Internet and maybe have your favorite drink or snack with you there as all part of routine that just signals your brain, now it's time to work deeply. And I have found for myself that if I haven't done deep work for a while, <laughs> that it takes my brain a little while to get in that groove. And I, But I just keep working through it, and, and after a few minutes, it starts to concentrate, and I, I am more productive with a focused work when I do um, make that effort. Absolutely. There are some kind of things, too. Like, I'm thinking about right now this radio show. So right now, on every door that's anywhere around here, there's a large sign that says, no noise. <laughs> Live <laughs> radio interview in progress. And so, for example, when the UPS truck pulled up 15 minutes ago, and um, he knows that if he comes at this time of day, he doesn't honk his horn, he doesn't ring the bell and buzz to get in. He just knows that when he sees that sign, that means it's quiet and no interruptions. And so my family knows that. Other people know that. And so my phone is on, you know, mute, so there's no other calls that can come through. So there are times when you can just shut it all out, you know, just shut it all out and just say this is a time when I have to have time to do something. Now, I, know, I don't know how it is for you, Charlotte. When I'm writing, when I'm writing especially a book, when I'm writing a book, I have to have long chunks of time. Otherwise, I can't get the continuity right. I forget I forget if I've said this before or how I've said it before or how it's supposed to come back in and play into it later. I have to have long chunks. Is that kind of how you do it? Yeah, me too. I need. Uh, it's better if I can work in an hour or two at at one at the task. It doesn't seem to. I don't. It because like I said, it takes me a while to get in that groove that in my brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I'd even say for me, um, three to four hours is ideal. Um, when I'm working on a book, if I just have, you know, 40 minutes here or, or, you know, even 90 minutes there, it's pretty tough for me to get the continuity that I feel like mm-hmm. is necessary. So, you know, I agree completely that during during tasks like that, multitasking is just ridiculous. Don't try to do it. Just, just focus. Uh, I call them long tail. They're just tasks that just take a lot of concentration. And, right. and then there's other things. Like you said, you know, I, it was a great example, you know, folding laundry while you're watching TV. And those are the ones that, you know, it's like when people are like, don't do any multitasking. I'm like, ah, nah, don't listen to that. <laughs> you really can't. <laughs> you can listen to music and clean your house at the same time, I promise. Right. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the three simple but important routines that will improve our focus. What are those? Well, I recently learned this um, from um, the author and blogger Crystal Payne, she suggested this, and I have found yeah. it very 
Very helpful. So um, I, in the morning, and I always had kind of a morning routine. Uh, I always get up and I exercise for 30 minutes, and then I eat breakfast, then I sh- I shower and I get dressed, and, and then I have my devotions, and, and then I make a schedule for the day. I look at my to-do list and I kind of um, think what each task, how long each task will take, and I make a schedule, and that helps me. And, and of course, like you said, we have to hold it loosely because usually the schedule doesn't hold, but it, it's a, like a starting point. <laughs> <laughs> but So that's my morning routine, and I've always had sort of a morning routine, but what was missing was um, an afternoon routine, and, and I have to say that I am still not totally, um, I don't do this all the time. But when I do it, it's much better for me. So uh, working at home, a lot of us work at home, the temptation is sometimes just to kind of keep on working or keep the computer running and after dinner, you know, do a few more emails or whatever. And I felt like I was always working. And I wasn't mm-hmm. spending quality, quality time with my family always. And so I started doing an afternoon routine where I shut things down. So I start... At the end of my work day, I save my work, you know, whatever the book or the blog that I've been working on, and then I go to my email and I check it one more time to see if there's any more important things that need to be done before I sign out for the day. I check my calendar for things that are coming up um, the next day or in the next week, and then I make a prioritized to-do list for the next day, what Look at my. I make a list at the beginning of the week of all the things that I would like to get done, <laughs> and then um, so each at the end of each day, then I look at that list and pick out the things that are most crucial to get done. And then I try to neaten up my office and my desk a little bit, put away the reference books that I've been doing and uh, working on, and all those kinds of things, it's just so that things are a little bit neater. And then I shut down my computer and. I say a prayer of thanks for the work accomplished because a lot of times, um, I think I mentioned before, that I felt really uh, defeated when I didn't get all the boxes checked off. But if I remember just to say a prayer of thanks for the work that did get done, then I I feel good. I feel like I got done what God wanted me to get done today. And what didn't get done, you know, he's going to give me the grace to do it the next day or the next day. And then I also um, try to do an evening routine. So after supper, you know, usual clean up the dishes and clean up the kitchen, try to have my counters uh, clean. That just helps me visually because I'm a visual person and I don't like clutter. So that might not apply to everybody. But for me, that it feels good to come down in the morning and see that the counters (laughs) uncluttered. And then... Uh, I love to take some time for reading. I also try to lay out the clothes for the next day so I don't have to scramble in the morning trying to decide what to wear and read a short devotion before I go to sleep. And then um, I like to do the spiritual discipline of examine where uh, as I go to bed, I run through the day in my mind, kind of like watching a video of the day. And I ask God to press the pause button um, Mm. to show me where he had been especially with me that day or where I need to repent of something, a bad attitude or a harsh word or something. And it just really helps me to go to sleep with uh, a peace. It's a great way to end the day. I love that. I love that. It's so beautiful. And I have I have my own uh, morning end of work rituals and, and PM rituals too. And I tell you what, it just brings a lot of peace, really, stability, that sense of the world is right. And, you know, and I can kind of tell how how chaotic my life is by whether or not those routines get dropped for a day or five or how true <laughs> when, we bought, when we bought a new restaurant six weeks you know i mean it's like sometimes you know, like a new baby you know it's like a long time till you get back to the routines at all and mm-hmm. that's okay you know that's all yeah. right but 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 these are god has made you know when we when we think about the world 
and that the sun does come up every single morning. It rises and sets every single night. And, you know, God has put this inside of us, this desire for continuity and for some things to be stable, some things to be predictable. And it, it gives us a lot of peace and security to have those things happen in that way and to have them be the type of things that we've personally with God chosen to start our day. I mean, each of us would be different. I mean, I start my day before I even open my eyes. I'm saying the Lord's Prayer, talking to Jesus, and then I'm getting dressed and I'm putting on my spiritual armor. Each of us has our own routines, but this Mm -hmm. concept of having these uh, structures, and I I believe that mealtimes are like that too, mealtimes and prayer at mealtimes. These kind of things are are what make us... uh, not go crazy, <laughs> really. Because I think if if you didn't have any routines, you would just literally, you know, it goes after a while. It just wears on you because it's so exhausting. Yeah, I love your word continuity, and I think it's so true that we have to each decide on on our own routine. I gave mine as an example, but everybody has to right. find their own what works for them, because um, God has made each of us different. And I think you might have a really simple routine or you might have a more elaborate one, whatever suits your life. And I think the the routines probably change, too, as we go through life at the different seasons of life. Sure. Absolutely. Well, this is Marnie. We're visiting today with Sharla Fritz of charlafritz.com. We're going to come back and talk about the importance of periodically unplugging, how to focus or how Focus and Sabbath connect, and also five ways to craft your own personal spiritual retreat. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. And if you're curious what events you might want to go to this fall or even this summer, you want to go over womensevents.info and check that out. And if you're hosting a major women's event, be sure to add that over there as well. Sharla, we are coming to the end of the hour here shortly, and we have a lot more ground to cover. So um, you talk about the importance of periodically unplugging. And before you launch into that, I'm just going to share, you know, that I've shared many times on the air here too that, uh, several years ago, God really convicted me that I needed to have a full day of rest every week, um, a Sabbath rest every week. And boy, is that hard to do. It, you, like it says in Hebrews, you work to rest. To break a day off, you know, and just not not be plugged into everything, you know, not be not be thinking about work and doing work and plugged into all your, you know, media and emails and all that stuff. So what have you found about this? unplugging what what has it been for you personally well for me i i love technology my daughter lives in china and so i really am so thankful for skype because we get to talk to Mm -hmm. her and her family with uh, and see them over the miles it's wonderful and i love you know my kindle i love getting a book instantly and being able to read it right away but i think sometimes uh with our smartphones we are constantly available and sometimes we just need to take a break from that so i like you said on you had felt convicted to have a sabbath and that was for me too so i do i on sundays i unplug i don't go on my computer um except i you know there are always exceptions but as a rule i do not go on my computer and i don't check my email i uh just try I do use my Kindle to read a book, and and sometimes we watch a movie on our TV. But I just try to stay off any technology that feels like work because I just feel like I need a break from that. After being on the computer all week long for writing and social media, I just need time to take a break. Our brains just need a little break. Another way that you can do that unplugging is, is to assign certain times in your day when you are going to use it and use technology and days when t- 
um, times in the day when you are not going to use it. So maybe you're not going to check your email every hour, but you're just going to check your email in the morning and then at the evening. And instead of being totally available all the time, you're being purposeful about how you are using your technology. (laughs) I just heard you say, I don't know if this is at all Chick-fil-A's or if this is just one Chick-fil-A that did this, but I think it was just so creative. So there was a Chick-fil-A that a family went into, and at the counter, they said, uh, they said, okay, if you guys put away your cell phones and don't use your, don't use your smartphones during the whole meal, we'll give you a free ice cream at the end. And so they didn't have to put away their cell phones. They could have used them during the meal. But it was an added incentive to just spend this meal time communicating with each other, which I thought was really creative. And that's what you're kind of saying, that you could even just choose a little section of a day and say, for this 30 minutes, for this 60 minutes, for this two hours or whatever, I'm not going to be plugged in. Yeah, so true. That is a great great example of it. Because sometimes haven't you been with someone where their cell phone is going off all the time and they're constantly checking it, and you're, you feel like you're not a priority. So I think sometimes we do need to shut off the technology to make the people that we are with in real time to feel like a priority. I was going to say, there's always going to be exceptions too. So last night, so on Sunday night of this week, our store, our store that we're clearancing now, or that we're going to go into this clearance mode with, our store was actually broken into on Sunday night. Oh. It's broken in the window, checked the cash boxes, so now we're using these cheesy cash boxes set up for the clearance, which is so funny. But anyway, so last night, you know, we're having supper, and usually during our supper, you know, we just try to uh, not be plugged in, not be you know, available to everybody. Well, right during the middle of supper, knock, 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 and here's his police officers. So, you know, I mean, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be substance. You know, always hold everything in an open hand. You know, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I love Elizabeth Elliot's uh, humility as flexibility, and that's always been really encouraging to me. When I see a moment where I have been flexible, I think, oh, this is good. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so just, you know, just look for the areas where you can and let go of the areas where you can't and and just be Mm -hmm. grateful that there's times when you can, and that's great. So how do focus and Sabbath connect then? What's the connection there? Well, like you, I didn't practice the Sabbath for a long time, and I felt really convicted one year because God just kept getting my attention. I mean, uh, like every Christian magazine I read had an article about Sabbath. And all the blogs that I were following, I was following, they were were posting articles about Sabbath and I went to a writers conference and I met a writer who was writing a book about Sabbath and I was just like God was saying you need to practice the Sabbath. And so I started to do that and take a, a day of rest. I already talked about how one of the things I do is to not be on technology. But uh, I also, my husband is a pastor and I'm a church musician, so we do work on Sundays. But now, after church, uh, I take the afternoon and the evening and I don't work. I lounge around on the couch. I take a walk in nature. I read a book. I do things that just don't feel like work. Um, I might putter around in the garden a little bit if it doesn't feel like work or uh but I, I just like ignore all the dust <laughs> in the house and mm-hmm. and I don't check my email and it just feels so refreshing it also I think the reason it re- relates to focus is that it gives me God's perspective again it mm-hmm. helps me see what's truly important and what is just a lot of noise in my life so I think Sabbath, practicing the Sabbath gives us the rest to make uh, the rest of our lives easier, and we have the energy to work with focus in the next, in next few days, but it also just gives us God's perspective. You've said it a couple times, and both times I was thinking that's exactly how I define my Sabbath. I can do whatever I want if it doesn't feel like work. That's really mm-hmm. how I define Sabbath. So, you know, I just don't, uh-huh. I don't get real <laughs> religious about it or technical, you know, or, you know, whatever. I, because sometimes actually, for example, sometimes I will cook, I will cook a great big, you know, batch of something. But it doesn't, it's, I wouldn't do it if I felt like it was work. I do it because that's very enjoyable for me. At that moment, mm-hmm. that's what I really want 
to do, not that I have to do it. And so I, I think agree. that's that exactly how I define it. So fun. Okay, so we are just getting right down to the end here, and we have five ways to craft your own personal spiritual retreat. Tell us, tell us those as quickly as you can almost. Yeah, well, so uh, I, I think a personal retreat is a great way to take time to focus, and so I suggest that people um, maybe every couple months take a day or a weekend or maybe even just an afternoon. Usually I just take an afternoon, and um, I use it to pray about my schedule and just take my Bible and my journal and ask God to show me what is important in my life, what he thinks are my priorities. So just a few quick ideas are to journal what's in your heart. That would be number one. And I often do this at the beginning of my retreat time, just kind of emptying out all my all my stuff, all my fears and doubts and anxieties, and, and that helps me to listen to God on all of the other things. I'm emptying out my heart so that he can fill it again. And I like to meditate on scripture. So one way I do it is just emphasizing a different word every time I repeat the scripture in my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And each time it kind of enriches the meaning. And another thing I do is just pray over my schedule for the coming week or the coming month, whatever my time period is. Another thing that you can do is declutter your inner life and ask your loving Father just to show you which attitudes, expectations, or beliefs or plans that you are holding in importance that are really making a barrier between you and him. So just decluttering your life. And then maybe another thing that you want to do during a personal retreat is chase down a decision. So perhaps mm-hmm. perhaps you have a big decision to make and focus where you're going to focus your time, and you're not sure about it. And one thing I like to do is to, in my mind, um, say yes to one of the options. Say, pretend that I have said yes to that, and then explore what my feelings are about that. Do I have a sense of peace about that? Or does a lot of fear and doubt and anxiety bubble up inside of me? And then um, I will say to myself, okay, now pretend that you've taken the other option. And what feelings do I have about that? So for things where God hasn't said in the Bible, you know, um, take this job or, (laughs) you know, uh, I find that exercise very helpful as I pray and ask God to guide my thoughts and feelings about these Mm. things. So those are just some ideas. And on my website, I I have um, a resource for 59 ideas for um, your own personal spiritual retreat. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So, uh, and Charlotte, your website is Charlotte Fritz, and it's spelled S H A R L A F as in Frank R I T Z dot com. If people go over there, what are they going to find? Well, one of the things is the fifty nine. The it's called a Soul Spa Kit, and it's fifty nine mm. ways to have a spiritual retreat. Fifty nine ideas, and just. It's, I just gave you some of them, but there are a lot more there on how to craft your own personal spiritual retreat to have a time with God. I also blog a lot about um, distracted, so there is there are blog posts about the topic of finding focus, and there is the twelve week e course called Distracted. And um, that is on sale right now, so you might want to check that out. There's another course called Easy Joy, and um, that was based, uh, the title comes from a convenience store that I saw in China when I was visiting my daughter there and (laughs) thought it was so funny, you know, like wouldn't it be great if when we got low on joy we could just go down to the store on the corner and and (laughs) pick up some more joy. (laughs) So so that's another course on um, finding joy in a discouraging world. And I do have a new book coming out next week, too, called Waiting. 
It's a a Bible study on patience, hope, and trust, and it's a study of eight women in the Bible who had a waiting period. And um, so there's a little bit on my website about that book, too, and some special offers for the book launch next week. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's fantastic. You guys want to go check it out over at charlafritz.com. That's charlafritz.com. Charla, thank you for being here. Fantastic information. You just shared so much. Really helpful stuff. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Marnie. It was a joy just to talk to you. It's so much fun. (laughs) Okay. And thank you all for being here. Can't have a show without listeners. So grateful that you come and that you listen and that you share this with other friends. And I look forward to seeing you every Wednesday afternoon live here at Blog Talk Radio. And for those of you who listened around the web or to archive later, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.